Welcome. Good evening, everyone. Any questions tonight? Um, I was reading in um, the search for the ultimate goal of life about yoga maya and maha maya, and uh, they were saying like uh, yoga maya was the gopis would worship yoga maya to attain Krishna, and uh, the, the varnashram dharma uh, they would their goal would be um, maha maya. So can you uh, explain like, what is yoga maya, what is maha maya? Also, uh, they were, the Varnashram Dharma, it sounds like they were kind of putting it down and like comparing, they said it was opposed to each other, the Yoga Maya and the Mahamaya. So um, I was wondering about uh, Srila Prabhupada, was, um, was he in, in encouraging the devotees to develop this Varnashram Dharma? Mm -hmm. It seems like it's opposed to uh, mm -hmm. Bhakti, like it seems mundane. Mm -hmm. Can you explain that? Yeah, yeah, sure. Thank you for the question. Of course, um, the the reference I think that uh, you you cite first is uh, that of the uh, Kumaris, the unmarried gopis worshiping uh, Katyayani, who ostensibly is a manifestation of Mahamaya, the goddess presiding over the world. The world is about Maitunya Bhav relationship between men and women and getting a good wife, getting a good husband and so forth are turn it off huh? are obviously um, material aspirations. So the goddess who would be worshipped in pursuit of that would be a goddess that presided in that case over what we call the Purberty Marg, which is the Marg or the path of acquisition, rather than the Niberty Marg, which is the path of letting go and moving from a religious life to a spiritual life, right? Um, so, that said, of course, the gopis are not material, and their desires are not material, and the husband they wanted was was Krishna. So, um, therefore, it's thought, or uh, explained, thought of, or explained by the, uh, the commentators, principal commentators, our founding acharyas, and so forth, that uh, the goddess Katyayani was a manifestation of the Yogamaya. Hmm? So, in the Tantra, for example, we had Gotamiya Tantra, um, there are descriptions of Goloka, and included in the descriptions are the elements like earth, water, fire, air, ether, Antakarana, the Chitta, the Hankar, uh, Manas, Bodhi, uh, gods, goddesses. After all, it's aprakrita. So it, that means it's like the world, but it's not the world. So it's human-like. Compared to Vaikuntha, which is Adhoksadu, which is overtly transcendental. We've got four-armed people, and they all have the powers, and... And, uh, and so on and so forth. So the setting in Goloka, in Vrindavan, in the center of the world of the lotus of, of Goloka is very, is go, is go cool and it's, it's, it's a coward village. So it's very human-like and they have gods and goddesses and they're worshipped and so forth. Appearances, transcendental representations of the material elements are present. So let's take, for example, Chitta, Krishna's Ahankar or Krishna's chitta, buddhi, manas. Krishna has a a subtle body, right? <laughs> okay, it's called antakarna. But it's described that his chitta, his, his faculty of, of um, perception and awareness, his buddhi, faculty of discrimination, his manas, the seat of desire, emotion, um, and his antakarna, his kind of identification, are personified as Sridam, Sudam, Kinkini, and Vasudam, four gopas. So that's a pretty extraordinary antakarna, right? Hmm. Uh, just a way of explaining that he has a transcendental, subtle body, if you will, and he is that body, and he is a transcendental 
gross body that appears to be appears ostensibly to be made of ordinary elements, and there seems to be earth and water and fire and so and gods and goddesses, right? But they're all devotees. Hmm? Um, there is a type of dasya bhakti uh, described in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu uh, that Rabhusam uh, explains is is the um, status of of Brahma and Indra, other gods. Hmm? Uh, 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 what is the term uh, he uses? Um, I forget now. Um, so it's a type of type of dasya bhakti, hmm? of which there are uh, quite a number of different varieties of dasya bhakti. Adikrita dasya, dasya, yeah. So uh, the das of a like of a of a. Uh, they have a dasya relationship with, with the Godhead, because they're engaged in His service in the world, representing powerful features of the world, uh, presiding over it that make it go round, and so forth. So it's considered a type of dasya rasa. Hmm. Now, of course, those are positions that they that they hold, and then and and they will, uh, the Brahmas will depart from those positions and enter into ultimately a, a spiritual holy spiritual relationship rasa with Krishna with Narayan and so on and so forth but there in Goloka then you have gods and goddesses they're Adikrita Das but it's fully spiritual mm-hmm. so uh, it's just it's part of it's not something to attain it's just part of the environment the Sub Shakti is manifesting that and it, it's all necessary for you to be a gopa, for you to be a gopi. Hmm? Those things need to be there. Those gods and goddesses need to need to be there, and so forth. Hmm? So, so they are worshiping Katyayani, hmm? but just like Durga, for example, a name for the goddess, it means Durga. Durga means difficult. Ga means to go, difficult to go from. So it's difficult to go from the material world preside over Durga. But Durga is also another name for Radha, which means difficult to go to. Mm-hmm. So, um, so the internal Shakti, Srup Shakti, and the, and, the, and the Maya Shakti, they have some similarities. They're like, they're like polar opposites, mm-hmm. if you will. The Tathasta Shakti is more peculiar it's in between. It can be influenced by one or influenced by the other hmm? and have standing accordingly. Hmm? Without that, it has no standing unto its own. Right? So, so sometimes the terms Yogamaya and Mahamaya then are used to refer to the function of the internal energy that, uh, that Bhakti is constituted of. Hmm? So you have different forms of yoga maya for the sake of like Purnamasi is a form of yoga maya. Uh, Vrinda Devi. Um, you could even even Madhumangal could be looked at in this way. Hmm? Um, and that's in Goloka and in, in Vaikuntha. Who are involved uh, pushing the Leela forward in different ways and so on and so forth. Hmm? So, excuse me, but personifications then of that feature of the internal Shakti. And then you have Mahamaya, of course, Maya Shakti is now the, the environment uh, uh, under which our karmic lives are, um, that are, are, are arise out of. Hmm? If you look at the Sarup Shakti and the Maya Shakti, the internal, to use Prabhupada's terms, and the external energy, you have two environments. Hmm? So if you associate with one environment, you're going to develop a certain type of personality, material personality. If you get association with Sarup Shakti, you're going to come under that influence, then have a role to play in the world where it is the driving force and a personality accordingly, and so forth. 
I often say that the Tattasta Shakti is of a nature that lends itself to nurture. Hmm? That's the very meaning of Tattasta. So we can be nurtured by the Maya Shakti or malnurtured, <laughs> or we can be nurtured by the Sarup Shakti. Hmm? The Sarup Shakti, of course, is cognizant, hmm? it's chit, whereas the Maya Shakti is achit. Hmm? So, and we're chit. So we don't. So the life under the environment of the Maya Shakti is artificial. It doesn't work for us. Under the influence of the Sarup Shakti, our chit is combined with a greater chit, so to speak, and and then the little Satchitananda that we are is now on steroids under the influence of the Sarup Shakti, and we overwhelm Krishna with prem. You can't do that on your own, and the Maya Shakti can't overwhelm Krishna, but the Sarup Shakti can. So, so when we speak of Yoga Maya, we're speaking in a broad sense of the internal energy that, that drives the Leela, that Bhakti is constituted of. It makes ingress into the Jiva. Sudashatva Viseshatma Prema Suryam Susamibhak, like a ray of the sun of Prem. And uh, the activities, the, the, the angas of bhakti are all manifestations of the sarup shakti. So as we come under that, gradually then the influence of maya shakti, we come out from underneath and so forth. So you have maya shakti, you have sarup shakti. Prabhupada sometimes would give an example of electrical energy can heat or it can cool. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's give another example. Let's take the example of fire. Let's say reality is a fire. God is a fire, okay? So it's one thing, it's a fire. But if we look closely at it, it's made up of heat and light, sparks, and smoke. And it's it's bigger than all of those. In other words, it generates heat and light, it generates sparks, and also generates smoke. And it's a fire. So in that analogy, the smoke is the Maya Shakti. The sparks are the Tatasta Shakti, who can come under the influence of the smoke and their connection with the with the and, and their their similarity to the to the to the fire can be obscured. Hmm? But the heat and the light hmm, this this is the compared to the internal energy, which is luminous, light, hmm? rather than obscuring, it illuminates, right? Maya Shakti, the smoke obscures, and the Sarup Shakti is chit, so it's some bit, so it it's illuminating, hmm? like a light bulb going on, right? To use a you know graphic way of describing knowledge, chit, chit, and some bit and and ladini. So light and heat. Heat means feeling hmm? in this in this analogy. So the heat and the light. Of the fire, are its are are its is its internal energy, which is difficult to separate from the fire, isn't it? You could kind of separate the sparks from the fire, you could separate the smoke from the fire, although they're completely dependent upon the fire. They have no existence independent of the fire; they're they're generated by the fire. But it's difficult to separate heat and light from the fire. So, Krishna is the fire. The heat and light is the sarup shakti. The jivas are the chit are the, uh, are the sparks, and the sarup, excuse me, the maya shakti is the smoke. So there are all those things: the, the the smoke, the sparks, and the heat and light of the fire are its energies. They're one with the fire, and that they have no independent existence. They're generated by the fire, but they're also different from the fire. But comparatively. The Maya Shakti is more different than it is one. And the Sarup Shakti, the heat and light, is more one with the fire than it is different. And the Jivas you know, can go can go on either side. Hmm? So, so I have these three energies. You're asking about the smoke and the heat and the light. Hmm? The external energy, the internal energy. Or we call it the Sarup Shakti. We call it Yoga Maya. Hmm? Um, or we call it the the external energy, or Mahamaya. Hmm? Um, let's use the term, uh, explore the term. Maya, uh, it means 
that which is not. It's one way of translating it. So, illusion. But yoga, maya, is very peculiar. Because yoga is for coming out of illusion. Right? So, when you put yoga, the word yoga, next to maya, and combine them, you have a very peculiar thing. Now you have a yogic illusion. Which is actually the full face of illumination. As much as loving is the fullest expression of knowing. So, for example, the Gopas and the Gopis of Vrindavan, they love Krishna and they know everything. Right? There's no knowledge beyond their love, so to speak. That's the, that's the fullest expression of knowledge. That's the Rajavidya. Krishna says, Manmana Abhava Madhbhakto Madhyaji Mamnamaskuru. So, but in order to, or in that state of knowledge, there is a thinking and a feeling that Krishna is not God. That's the illusion, right? The illusion that he's not God, because it's a yogic illusion, if you will, it's actually a more full knowing of the Absolute than a knowing that is uh, not as much or at all, for example, under the Srupa Shakti. Let's say you become you merge with Brahman. Well, that's a kind of knowing, too. Hmm? But it, it's not anywhere near the loving of a gopa or, or a gopi, which constitutes a much greater knowing of the possibilities of the Absolute, right? So, yoga maya is obviously different than maha maya. Here means a great illusion. It's a big, it's like Krishna says in the Gita. What does he say? He says, Mama Maya Durateya. It's my Maya, and nobody can get a, overcome it. Hmm? Unless they surrender to me, then it becomes easy. Then I, let, and I, then I lift the veil. Otherwise, it's impossible. Hmm? Um, in fact, e- even in the scientific exploration of nature, we really don't know what nature is. We don't know what matter is. We have absolutely no idea after thousands of years of, or hundreds of years of scientific uh, focus and uh, uh, exploration, investigation, examination of what's out there. Hmm? What's out there? What reality is? What what the that is kind of what science is about. What's out there, right? And all we really know is some of the ways in which it works. It does this. It does that. But what it is, there's no there's no explanation of what it is. It's just it does this under these conditions. It acts like that. It acts like that. Hmm? It's like. You, you see a train from a distance and it's got a light and a whoo and a whistle and it does that. But what it is, you know, you don't, you don't know. It's just it's a, it's a people transporter. And, uh, and so, so they don't, we don't know what it is. We know something about what it does in certain conditions and so forth. And, and people are very proud of that uh, or think they're close to knowing it at all. But the Bhagavatam says you can't know it. Another, another meaning of the word my is, is to measure and 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 it's an illusion to think that you can measure it or capture it. Hmm? For Krishna, it's my Maya, uh, it's my illusory energy, and and there's no getting out of it unless I agree. Even if you want to go to Brahma Sayuja, you need my grace to do that as well, or to enter Vaikuntha, or to enter Goloka, and so forth, to rise above it. So, Yoga Maya and um, Mahamaya. Now. We come to bhakti and varnashram, right? So, because uh, what what varnashram is then is a system within the governance of Mahamaya, hmm? within that realm. We're not now under the governance of the Sarup Shakti in Krishna Lila. We're within the jurisdiction of of Mahamaya, and there are ways to conduct oneself within that influence that will be in consideration of the fact 
hmm, that there's someone behind it. Hmm? God. Hmm? I'm not the center. Hmm? Uh, Indeed, there's a God providing over my sight, over my sense of smell, over my sense of hearing. So this is a, what is this is this is a worshipful way of living in the world, and it's a way of saying, my eyes are not independent in their capacity to see. I am not independent in my capacity to see. I am dependent upon sun. Therefore, I am grateful to the sun, hmm? and therefore I, I show my regard, Surya Namaskar, to the sun. Hmm? Is that an unreasonable thing? That's a beautiful way to live in the world. You can say, "Wicked was a sun god, you know, this god, that god. These people are great. They got 33 million gods." Sometimes they say in, in Hinduism, but it really, what it's speaking about is a graceful and grateful way to live in the world and to acknowledge that this body, made up of senses, is just not mine to do whatever I want with it. I heard a yogi a guy on it. Uh, the other day, say, was asked about um, homosexuality, and he had a quasi non homophobic perspective, I, I would say. And so, uh, but one of the things he said, hey, you know, it's your body, you can do whatever you want with it. You just don't advertise it, you know, just don't canvas for it. But it, it, it's your body, Who can, nobody can tell you what to do with it, you can do whatever you want with it. And I'm thinking, not exactly you can do whatever you want with it. I mean, is that what the scriptures say? Is that what yoga is about? Your body is yours, just do whatever you want with it? Hmm? No, the body is there. You have intelligence in the human life. You're meant to use your rational faculty to, to rise above your emotions and feelings that don't give you a clear picture of things because they're based on attachments, again, bias. Uh, if you're too close to a thing, can't see it for what it is you're attached to it right just like in science and academics and politics what's 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 glorified is objectivity not being bought by the corporation or anything yoga is about objectivity yes it's about stepping back renunciation is about objectivity to the extreme and so we're not saying anything different than that said in academia or in in, in science or in, in politics, that you can come to the truth of the matter just by following the facts, not by following your your feelings necessarily, your emotions, to control them, to master them. Uh, so, and that's what it means to say humans are different from other species of life because they're, to a greater degree, rational animals. They're only rational animals if they use their reasoning to do something other than what animals do. Hmm? Without the need of greater reasoning, so what's the use of saying I'm I'm have more reason if I only use it to pursue the same things that animals are pursuing it sufficiently, without the need of the reasoning power? Hmm? Therefore, reasoning should be used for something more. It should be used for rising above the um, the demands of the senses and mind and and so on and so forth. Um, so. The Barnashram system is a very elaborate and sophisticated system to start to move in that direction in a user-friendly way. In other words, the way in which we are moving in the world is towards is is is, is toward is is in brief towards acquisition, based on the thought that by acquiring I'll become more. By acquiring, I'll become fulfilled. I feel a lack. By by acquisition, I'll become more. That's not true. But that's the way we're going. Now, we're in human life, and we've been going that way for many species for a long time. Suddenly, we're in human life. We can't act like an animal. We need to be civilized. We have more reasoning power. Hmm? And so the, the script, Vedic scriptures, the Hindu scriptures, the sacred texts of the East, they tell us that, okay... Follow the Varnashram system, hmm? which is a system in which you can acquire. 
So it's user-friendly. It's all about acquisition. It's about Dharma, Artha, Kama, and Moksha. But we don't say that too loud. That's, you know, that's the later part. Once you become a Moksha, you're not really in the world anymore. You're a sannyasi. You're not really. You're 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 outside of the dharma. Hmm? So varnashram three quarters is governed by rajaguna. One quarter moksha, sannyas, renunciation, contemplative life. Hmm? That's governed by sattvaguna. Hmm? So primarily, it's 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 a karma mark that's user friendly. That user friendly in the sense that's the direction you're going in acquisition. Now here's how to acquire, and but you need a license. Come in and get your license. That's all we say. So you can only hunt on this day, and not on that day, and you can only kick this type and this many, and but you can still acquire. Okay, hmm. right? And uh, and there are things that you should avoid, and it gives good advice because you, sometimes you're trying to acquire things that aren't good for you, and the scripture points that out and shows you why and what the result will be. And so okay, so it's it's a it's a it's a user friendly path and it's aimed at uh, trying to it, it's 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 about caging humans if we take a human has come from the wild from animality now we, they're a human but they're in a cage so we say do this okay here's some food right <laughs> okay you ready over here huh? something like that so then they get trained up Right, to be grat, be grateful. Okay, thank you. The parrot says, you know, now you get a, you get a, 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 a fruit, you know. Okay, so then we can gradually we can. Spirituality is about opening the cage. Now, going beyond the small g good to the absolute good, hmm? transcending humanity altogether is the fullest expression of our humanity. Hmm? So. Now we're moving from Varnashram, for example, to and the Pravrti mark to the Nivrti mark, hmm. the fullest expression of which is Bhakti, hmm. right? Governed by the Sarup Shakti, that even for Gyan and Yoga to be effective, they require some Bhakti is required for Gyan and Yoga to be efficacious in terms of giving us entrance into some region of transcendence, whether it be Brahmasayuja or a type of Vaikuntha uh, uh, attainment. Hmm? Now, if you come to uh, Gaudiya Vaishnavism, the idea is Golok, then you need full, unalloyed, Ahituki, Uttam, Uttam Bhakti school, right? Hmm? And, and, if, and this, in that, the realm that you will enter there is where the Sarup Shakti is completely is, is most prominent. What is the function of the Sarup Shakti in Brahman? Well, she's not functioning there. Hmm? In Vaikuntha, she has some function. But in Goloka, in Vrindavan, we say, Jaradhe. Hmm? Krishna is completely overwhelmed by the Sarup Shakti. He can't even sleep at night. Hmm? The more the Sarup Shakti is operative, the more the Godhead is animated. Hmm? If we go to Brahman, if we go to Mahavishnu, he's mostly sleeping. Hmm? He wakes up, there's the world. Huh, better go back to sleep. Right? The more the Sarup Shakti is a factor, hmm? the more animated the Absolute becomes. So Krishna is dancing, playing the flute, he's up all night, uh, 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 completely... Um, Overwhelmed by his Sarup Shakti, so that's the realm where we're we're seeking to enter. So it's far beyond the reach of Varnashram, and it is a different path from Varnashram. And in fact, the whole Bhagavad Gita is about foregoing the Varnashram and taking to the path of Bhakti. The whole Srimad Bhagavatam is about foregoing the Varnashram and taking to the path of Bhakti and further taking the path of Krishna Bhakti and Braj Bhakti and not the path of Yoga and not the path of Jnana and so forth. So, let's take the Gita. 
Okay, the Gita starts, first chapter, and Arjun is presented with the, uh, the battle, right? And properly understood, as the text goes forward, we realize that the, what the battle is about is the, 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 the battle of sadhana, hmm, in which one has to slay one's attachments, hmm, and the way in which those attachments are it's suggested will be slayed is by becoming attached to Krishna, hmm, d- doing his bidding, hmm, serving him, loving him. Hmm. So he's determined that the, the war has to go on, Arjun, you're going to fight it, you have to be. You have to give up your attachments, and and, Ar, and Arjun argues first with all kinds of arguments from Dharma Shastra, and they might sound reasonable, and it shows that he was well versed in the Dharma Shastra and the Varnashram. But now, he's immediately when Krishna begins to speak in the second chapter, he says, "You're a fool. You've just presented all these arguments from Varnashram as if you're a pundit, but you're actually a fool." Pandita, what does he say? Uh, uh, um, Supandita. Anyway, you think you're a pundit, but you're actually. Well, I forget the verse. That's that's his opening line, you know. And then he begins to tell him about the Atma, right? You're not the body. You're not a chatriya. Hmm? You're not a sudra. You're not a sannyasi. You're not any of these things. Gopi bhartu parakamlayo dastasanadas. The Mahaprabhu said. I'm not a Brahmana, Chatriya, Vaisha, Sudha. What am I? Gopi Bhartu Parakamalayo I'm a servant of the servant, the servant of the Krishna, who is the lover of the gopis, who is controlled by the gopis, by Radha. Right? So, this is what Krishna is starting to tell Arjuna. So, the very beginning of the Bhagavad Gita is about. What about Varnashram, Krishna's? Hmm. No. And what is the? And you go through the whole thing at the end of the Gita. What does he say? Sarva Dharma Pratyaja Mamikam. He says, Sarva Dharma Pratyaja. Give up all the Dharma, and Mamikam. Ekam means me alone. Surrender to me alone, and Varnashram. Conversely, is about not one God, but Sun God, Moon God. This God, that God, this Goddess, that Goddess, 33 million gods and goddesses. It's not a bad thing. We talked about it. Varnashram is very beautiful in the sense that it's, it's a graceful way of living in life. Hmm? Recognizing the powers of nature and my dependence of my my senses uh, on, on those macrocosmic manifestations of nature, my microcosmic sense of self, which is a composite of the elements of material nature, to order to function as wholly as a unit, as a body, as a physio-psychological unit, is dependent upon something in the macrocosm, like the wind to hear, like the sun to, to, to see, light, and so on and so forth. So I live gracefully, and I use my senses in relation to sense objects in consideration of the fact that uh, I'm not independent. In, they're not just for me to have. Hmm? I'm dependent upon other forces, nature, for... And so I should be grateful, right? This is the basic idea. And so, um, there are many gods and many goddesses, and Krishna says in the end, give up that, me alone. When he says, Ma may come, he's saying, implicitly he's saying, give up all the gods and goddesses, and just worship me alone, and, 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 and you won't be obliged. There won't be a problem. Earlier in the Gita, at the, at the end of the first six chapters, when Arjuna says, well, you know, here you're asking me to take up this yoga, but what if I'm not successful? It's hard. you got to control the mind. It's like trying to capture the wind. And if I'm not successful in yoga, meanwhile, I gave up the laws of, the, of, of Varnashram, I'll be culpable. Hmm? Krishna says, no, no, don't think like that, my dear one. Dear one, ta-ta. Hmm? He says, oh, don't, no, don't, don't think like that. What does he say? Hmm? Durgatim tatagachati. Durgatim tatagachati. No, he says, to use Sridhar Maharaj's paraphrasing, sincerity is invincible. No, you've come to me. Don't, you don't have to worry about it. And then he goes on to say, if you're unsuccessful in this yoga, you know what will happen? 
you'll go to heaven. Unsuccessful practice in yoga will take you to heaven, which is the goal of, var- of successful Varnashram. You've got to be completely successful in Varnashram to go to heaven. Hmm? Imperfect practice of yoga, hmm? you go to heaven, and then you come back down and take up the yoga where you're left off. Or you'll be born in a Vaishnava family and, or a family of transcendentalists and so forth. So we can see beginning, middle, end and so forth. If you look at it carefully, the Gita is speaking about a revolutionary idea because people are, this is the way of life, Varnashram. This is what it, most people, it's all about. Acquisition, have good sons, good daughters, marry them, grow the family, uh, go to heaven when it's all over. You know, and hope they come with you, Right? This is kind of the basic idea. So whether it be in Hinduism or in Christianity or Islam or these, this kind of understanding of what uh, spirituality is about is the most prominent one. Hmm? The one where God is providing for me. We look at the sun and say, the sun is like the God. It provides for me. Therefore, I should regard it. Hmm? In bhakti, we think, hmm, God is providing for me. The sun is God, let's say. The sun is providing for me. But what's going on inside the sun? <laughs> There's all kinds of nuclear explosions. What's that all about? That's the weirdness of the Bhakta, right? He wants to know, he's thinking, God's providing for me, but you know, what's going on in his world? I'm just getting the rays down here, you know? And sometimes he disappears every night. Where does he go? <laughs> what's his life about any possibility of going the people look at you what are you crazy you're going to go to the sun you're nuts yeah I guess so but that's what, I, what I'm thinking about and Krishna's going that's what you're interested in nobody's interested in that you're interested well I'm interested in you then right that's Rag Bhakti you're interested in that people approach me for things people approach me to get away from things hmm and have eternal life. And and some people approach me because they should, because I'm God. And you approach me just because you want to explore my emotional life and you're attracted to the people I'm surrounded by. Gopas and gopis. Cows. Wow. Okay, well, you're a special person. So, um, of course, this comes to us, this opportunity, this kind of thinking, this revolutionary thinking by the grace of Guru Parampara. It's just right there in the Gita. And is speaking to a society immersed in Varnashram, where moksha is part of it. Okay, okay, there's going to be liberation. You know, okay, we're going to go to heaven. We're going to come back. You know, okay, we do that a few times. Ultimately, we get liberation. You know, some some weird people do that. Okay, it's part of it. But it's like once you become a sannyasi, you're separate from the society. Now you're living in the cave, Himalayas. They come around every now and then. You worship them. Ask them. They're a kind of a god. You ask them for things. If you kind of figure it out and you become fully religious, your inquiry into Dharma is sufficient. Dharma Jignasu, then you come to Brahma Jignasu. Okay? Now you're going to come to contemplative life. And now we're talking about beyond the contemplative life, beyond sitting, dancing in that world. Movement. Movement here is problematic. Let's sit. I have no desire. Why should I move? And now I'm peaceful. But now another kind of movement. Dancing. Hmm. Celebratory movement. I'm so full that I have to dance, celebrate it, share it. Hmm. So, this is the idea of bhakti. Rasa Jagnasu. We're able to do that through sadhu sangha. Hmm. Through sadhu sangha. But it's a high ideal. And it leaves Varnashram in the dust as it does mukti, which is the farthest reach within Varnashram. Dharma, Arthakama, Moksha. Oh, some guy went there. Okay, he's well. And the world's going on. You know. So uh, and we we we'll we'll pray about him, we'll celebrate him, you know. But not you, son. You know, you shouldn't do that. You know. So uh, you need to bring me grandsons and granddaughters and so so, um, so, bhakti makes prem 
bhakti makes moksha look small. What to speak of dharma, arth, and kama, which is the three quarters of the varnashram, right? Hmm? So now we go to the Bhagavatam. We talked a little bit from the Gita. What is the what is the what is the if the if the Gita ends with sarva dharman pritya mamekam sharanam braja? You know this verse, right? Give up, everybody knows. Give up this. Take shelter of me alone. Okay. If the Gita ends with this, and the Bhagavad is arguably the theological sequel to the Gita, then it must pick up where the Gita left off. And if we go to the second verse of the three introductory verses of the Bhagavatam, what do we find? Exact same thing. Dharma Projita Kaitavotra Paramo Nirmatsaranam Satam. This book, who's it for? For those who have given up Dharma, Artha, Kama, Moksha, Kaitava Dharma. Hmm? It says, uh, 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 Dharma Projita Kaitavotra. Dharma, dharma Projita Kaitava. Rejecting all forms of cheating Dharma. Which means cheating the self out of what it could, what it, what its, what its possibilities are, through sadhu sangha, hmm? and settling instead for dharma, virtuous life, within the small g good, of the moral realm, hmm? sense acquisition, security, artha, hmm? Dhar- moksha, small thing. That's exactly what the Gita said. Give up the, give up Dharma, Sarva Dharma and Pritjachap. Give up, give up Moksha, it means, and give up Varnashram. Take shelter of me only. And the Bhagavatam begins with the same thing. Dharma Pojitakaitavotra. This book is for those people who have lost interest and seen through its strong language, the farce of Varnashram and the pursuit of Moksha, which is its furthest reach. And it's using strong language like that, even as we say, Varnashram is a beautiful thing. It's a great, it's 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 a, it's a gracious path to live, live in the world under the Varnashram and so forth, right? Grateful to, and recognizing the power in nature, and uh, it's a beautiful way. It's not an exploitive pursuit of nature for whatever my senses or their mind are calling on me for, and so on and so forth, right? But comparatively, the scope of Varnashram is 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 very provincial, very narrow, and the scope of bhakti is is is, is as I say, it exceeds even the scope of of liberation. So. As Rupa Goswami says, if you could take the entirety of Brahmasuk, the happiness of Brahman realization, and multiply it a million fold, it would not compare to the bliss of one atomic particle of Prem. Hmm. Wow. So, so the Varnashram is left in 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 the dust. And Bhagavatam goes on to say, then what? Dharma sunastita pumsa vishvaksenikitasya nat podaya dharivatim shamevi kevam. Answering the questions of the sages in chapter 2. Six, some, some, some six questions come from the sages. Chapter 1. Chapter 2, they begin to, they, they begins to answer them. And we get verses like this. Nat podaya dharivatim shamevi kevam. He says, this Varnashram, Shrama Evahi Kevalam, it is a waste of time. Very heavy language. It, because why? It does not... Uh, uh, what is the word? Vasudeva It does not give one a taste, Ruchi, for, for topics about Krishna, Krishna Kata. It doesn't come from that. Because Bhakti does not come from material piety. Again, Dharma, Artha, Kama are governed by Rajaguna. And the sannyasa, contemplative life, is governed by Sattva-guna. You can't get bhakti from the gunas. Right? Any amount of material piety does not make you more eligible for bhakti. What makes you eligible for bhakti? 
if you got association with devotees, which is bhakti, an anga of bhakti, sadhusanga, and as a result of that, you've got faith in the efficacy of bhakti. Now, you can tread the path, even if you're impious otherwise, by dharmic standards, hmm? such as the power of bhakti. It doesn't require further qualifications. So you could be like the Brahmin in Chaitanya Leela said, hey, I only drink milk. I live a very pure life. I should be able to enter your kirtan. Mahaprabhu said, bring me your milk. Pour it on his head. <laughs> no, you can't enter my kirtan. And you think by that you can enter my kirtan. No, it's not like that. It, the opportunity comes from that world. It's independent. Krishna is dependent on bhakti. Wherever bhakti goes, Krishna has to go there. He has no choice. He's controlled by bhakti. If bhakti comes, Krishna has to go there. And she goes wherever she wants. Into any heart, any person, even into animals we find. Right? So, so Bhagavatam says that because Varnashram cannot give a taste for Harikata, therefore it's a waste of time. It says um, that if you want to know what Dharma is, I'll tell you, it says. Some city Haritoshanam, that is Dharma. Same chapter. It says the extent to which what you're doing is Haritoshanam, pleasing Toshanam to Hari, that is the Siddhim, the perfection of Dharma. Some Siddhim, some complete Siddhim, the, the perfection, the complete idea of Dharma is some Siddhim, the complete perfection is Haritoshanam, the extent to which we please Hari. Now, how much do you please Hari by Varnashram? Not too much. And he says it in the Gita when he even speaks about Varnashram. He says, Chatur Varnamayashram Gunakarma Vipagasa. I created the system. Hmm? He says, But I'm beyond the system at the same time. And by it alone, you can't attain me. Hmm? If you read the verse carefully, that's what he says. And as I'm explaining with other verses and so forth. So, it's just like, um, okay. We all, let's say we all live in a country and it has a president or a prime minister and we're all good citizens, okay? So how much do we please the president? Well, kind of, you know, he doesn't even know who we are, you know, but we're good citizens, okay? I guess we're pleasing him in a real distant way. Mm-hmm. So, and, 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 and that would be in regard to the oversoul of this world, Mahavishnu, what to speak of Krishna, the fullest manifestation of Bhagavan. How by being a good citizen, how by being a Varnashrami, much will we please Krishna? So, these are the strong statements of the Bhagavatam. Then it says, so therefore in its stead, what what this book is about, is we're going to propose here a different kind of Dharma. Savaipum sam parodharma. 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 Superior form of Dharma. Prema Dharma. What is it? It is that by which he who is adhoksaja, the transcendental Godhead, is pleased. Savaipum sam parodharma yato bhakti adhoksaja. That is constituted of bhakti to adhoksaja, that is a haituki and a pratihata, that is unmotivated means it's uncaused by anything else. It's its own cause. It's not caused by yoga, by, by jnana, by varnashram. That which is caused by its own self through sadhusanga, which is a anga of bhakti, and, and which is practiced without any motive for anything other than itself. Also. And Un, un, uh, uh, un, uninterrupted. Hmm? This is uh, that by which the Bhagwan 
can be fully satisfied. Some prosidity. Some prosidity. By which the Atma, this Atma means both you and him, can be fully satisfied. That is Parodharma. There's a Hoituki Bhakti to Adhoksaja. And that's what this book's about. Hmm? Go on with the book further on. You just come verse at the verse if you study carefully. What happens in the tenth canto? Hmm? The gopis step on the head of Barnashram. Entirely, don't they? For every bar you think Arjun had reasons not to fight. He's a warrior. You know, maybe he should have fought just you know in a righteous war. The gopis had absolutely no reason, no justification, morally speaking. They couldn't they couldn't put up an an argument from Dharma Shastra why they should leave their families in the middle of the night and, and join some boy in the forest playing the flute. They couldn't come up with any justification. Arjun could muster some verses that say, well, you know, because this might happen, because this... Therefore, I... But no, they couldn't do that. But they went, right? So... So this is what the book's about. I mean, I could, we could go on through every 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 canto. Hmm? Now the question comes, and you 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 voiced it. So I said, well, wait, but Prabhupada is talking about Varnashram, you know, a fair amount, you know. So what's that all about, right? Hmm. So first is clear, bhakti is independent of Varnashram. Therefore, if you have if you're on the path of bhakti, if you're, you have Vaishnav initiation, hmm, it's like it's like Manu Mangal sit down for dinner. Okay? Manu Mangal sitting down for dinner. Now, dinner time at Nandagram is a little more formal than the morning meal. Hmm? Because in dinner time, Nandamarsh has invited relatives as well. His brothers and their sons and daughters. and So it's more more, so, more social. And so, therefore, Sakirasa is a little more constrained. Hmm? And Yasoda's even affection, motherly affection for Krishna will be a little more constrained with relatives here and so forth. Hmm? But despite that, Mother hmm, Mongol still manages to put in some joke. Hmm? Right? So he says, hey, you know, like, I'm sitting down here, this, this in a line here, because at this time, Krishna will not be the center, because it's Nandamar is sitting. Then his brothers on one side, the younger brother, older brothers on the right side, younger brothers on the left side. Then there's the Brahmin boys, and so, and then there's the Kaur boys and Krishna. And Krishna's not served first. Nandamarja is served first, and so this is the Nara Lila nature, human-like nature of, it, of the Lila, right? So Madhumanga says, "Hey, how about that down here on the line, you know?" And uh, and uh, you know, I've got to make a point here. He says, "Look, here's the point. Birth in a good family is auspicious." Hmm? Sokla, this type of birth. And we all have that, so we're fortunate. Hmm? And then there's a second type of birth, Sabitra, with the thread. And of course, I'm Brahmin, so I have that. Hmm? So that's auspicious for me. And Nanda Maharaj, he's a Vaishya, but Vaishyas can be friends of the Brahmins, Dijabandhus, so they can also receive the thread. And he has, and so it's appropriate. So his his he's got a second birth in that sense, and it's appropriate for me to be in the house and eating my meals cooked by by such people. Hmm? He's the king of the cowherds. He's got a thread. He's undergone the second birth as a friend of the Brahmins, Dvijabandhu. Hmm? He says, but there's a third type of birth as well, hmm? and we see that in the life of of Durvas Muni, who was a great rishi and Sage and, and Brahman. Hmm? What was that? Hmm? He had a bitter bitter tongue, this guy. Hmm? According to the Pranic Discourse, which sometimes is conducted by Nanda Maharaj in the evening, hmm? we've learned that in one place that Durvas even cursed Ambarish, who was a great Vaishnav. He had a bitter tongue, that guy. But, at some point, according to Gopal Tap in the Upanishad, he tasted the sweet rice cooked by Radharani, and his tongue changed. Hmm? That at that point, and what did he do? From his tongue came explanation of the esoteric significance of Krishna's brahmacharya. 
That's reference to Gopal Tapani. You have to look at the. T- so, so this is the third type of birth, hmm? Vaishnav Diksha, by tasting the, 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 the cooked by Rod, cooked by what's cooked by Radha, hmm? which is which is a blessing, and and I want that kind of birth, but I'm sitting far down the line here, and I'm not sure if I'm going to, it's going to be any left by the time it gets to me, and it's so valuable, it's possible that I think I've seen some of the servitors sticking it in their pockets and hiding it. Therefore, I should be served first. That's the, that's his his claim. Of course, everybody laughs and make sure he gets the full, well, the sweets cooked by Radha and so forth. Hmm. So, Vaishnava, Vaishnava Dharma. This is uh, this is our interest, not the Varnashram Dharma. But, that, but, um, but still, we say, why Prabhupada talked about Varnashram? I'm not sure how I got to Madhumangal. It's a, a nice story though. So. Why Prabhupada talked about Varnashram? Hmm? The reason is because there's a, there's a couple of reasons. Hmm? Because the Varnashram Dharma is favorable. I would love to live in a Varnashram society where people were worshipping the sun god and moon god and lived like this and, and so on and so forth. They believed in reincarnation. Even if they weren't pursuing it, you know, re- relief from it, you know, still they'd be religious, pious people. They would respect the Vaishnavas and so on and so forth, right? But there was a time in India with the corruption of the Varnashram, which is characteristic of, of Kali Yuga, hmm? that, for example, in West Bengal, Bhakti Vinod recognized that the, these Varna, Varnashramis and the Brahmins... <laughs> Excuse me. Excuse me. In particular, they're thinking they're superior to the Gaudiya Vaishnavas. Hmm? That Brahman status is superior to Vaishnavism. Therefore, he told Bhakti Siddhant, "You should preach Daiva Varnashram instead of this Asura Varnashram." What is the real position of Varnashram hmm? in relation to Vaishnav Diksha? What's the relation between the, the Savitra, the, this kind of Varna, This is the Brahman initiation. This is a Varnashram initiation. And the Vaishnava initiation, which transcends it. That's why it used to be they would take off the thread if they got Vaishnava initiation for hundreds of years. But Bhakti Siddhanta, ordered by Bhakti Vinod to straighten things out, included preaching about what real Varnashram is and how it's described in the seventh canto of the Bhagavatam, where it's described it respects the, Varnashram, the, the Vaishnavism, which is over its head. Hmm? This was in a society where this Varnashram was, was going on. That's what the Daiva Varnashram was, was about. He said that's what's going on is the Sura Varnashram. Give the real idea of Varnashram. Hmm? So Bhakti Siddhanta tried to do something like that. And Prabhupada knew, oh, that Guru Maharaj tried to do some Daiva Varnashram, so, so we should do that too. Hmm? Basically he thought. And he thought about it in a slightly different way. He thought, there should be Varnashram all over the world. Hmm? Real Varnashram. That should replace democracy. Hmm? You can think, monarchy is going to replace democracy? That's a pretty hard sell, Swami. Hmm? Well, when you when you, when you you include, here's what I mean, we mean by, monar- by, by monarchy. Yudhisthira. Hmm? Pariksit. Hmm? Of course, they say, well, those people don't exist. And you have to go, yeah, okay, so forget the Varnashram. <laughs> You're right. So we'll do. So Bhakti isn't dependent upon Varnashram. We can function in any situation and give people the highest benefit. We can deal with what it is. So many times Prabhupada said, even in his books, but it's impossible today to establish Varnashram. But he, he was getting some feedback, however accurate, that this is taking hold. I came to America as a beggar, and now we've got thousands of dollars coming in, we've got, we're buying Christian churches up and turning them into temples, and we've got hundreds and hundreds of young boys and girls, and they're selling books like anything, you know, and and even one senator said that Hare Krishna is epidemic, we've got to do something about it at one point. So Prabhupada was getting this feedback, you know, maybe we'll take over the world here. Mm-hmm. Why not, you know? <laughs> and, 
And so he had this shoot for the rhinoceros kind of perspective, right? And um, and so he thought, well, so we should we should teach people what is the varnashram because most of these people don't have adhikar for bhakti. So we should establish the varnashram system, and 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 that that will be a favorable environment to be living in comparatively to the world today, and. And, and this was kind of his idea, but at times he said, "But it's not possible, you know, it's not going to work," and and uh, and so on. But he regarded it as it should be regarded. But he also knew bhakti transcends varnashram, and and so on and so forth. So it's unfortunate that uh, a good number of his students aren't clear on these kind of things, and so therefore, for the preach, we have to have varnashram. And they say things like, "Well, obviously." Women can't be gurus because they don't get the thread. Without the thread, you can't be a guru. This thread is for is 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 in relation to Varnashram, actually, hmm? right? What that understanding is is that bhakti will be deficient. That's what they're saying implicitly. Bhakti will be deficient unless Varnashram is attended to, is taken into consideration, or bhakti will be enhanced. If we do varnashram, but that is what Rupa Goswami says: bhakti covered by karma. Hmm? If you think my bhakti will improve by following varnashram, you're thinking bhakti is dependent upon varnashram. If you think my bhakti will be deficient if I don't do varnashram, then in another way, your bhakti is covered by karma. So Rupa Goswami says, no, we, you you are now in a different system. Now people say, well, you know. Varnashram is about the moral life. So Swami, you're just saying give up moral life hmm? and do bhakti? What is that? No. We're saying come under bhakti, which is cultivate sharanagati. The first two limbs of which are accept what's favorable for bhakti, reject what's un- unfavorable for bhakti. If you do those two things, you will live a moral, more moral life than a Varnashrami. Hmm? That's our moral compass. It's favorable for bhakti, I'll accept it. If it's unfavorable, I'll reject it. Hmm? So, if you study bhakti carefully, you see it has its own moral system. It says, you know what we take from Varnashram? Ritual purity, cleanliness, habits, and so forth. That's what we take from Varnashram. But you don't necessarily need it either. They were one day in Braj. Rupsanatan. Were traveling, and they came across a lady who was brushing her teeth with a stick and then cooking a pot of kitri. Hmm? And then brushing her teeth and then put, that needs to stir. Hmm? And two boys showed up. Hmm? And she said, Oh, you're here. Let me get you. The and then she gave them the kitri. And they ate the kitri. And Rupsanatana were just fascinated by those two boys. And so they came again the next day. Those boys were there. Same thing going on. So they followed them secretly. And they went into a temple. Of Krishna and Balaram, and they disappeared into the deity. So they they understood Krishna and Balaram are coming every morning and eating kitri. So then Sanatana Goswami said, "But but she's cooking it all wrong. You can't cook with with a toothbrush." So he went back and said, "You know, those boys are coming to see you. They're very special. You know, you you can't if you want to cook, you have to first you have to do this. You have to wash first. You brush your teeth over here, take bath and everything, follow these rituals, then come and cook." Hmm? Which is good advice, right? Hmm? We give that advice too. Hmm? But so she did that that day, and the boys showed up, and they're waiting. Where's the kitri? She's like, I had to do this. I had to do that. I had to do this. I had to do that. Hmm? They said, Well, we're hungry, you know. And then Sanatan realized. Oh, then he told her next day. No, just <laughs> brush your teeth. Use that, just like that. Hmm? <laughs> so such is the position of bhakti, right? But of course, that's a high form, of high stage of bhakti. So, so uh, yeah, it's a very beautiful system, Varnashram, But we're not dependent upon that, and it's the whole, the whole thrust of our, of our, of our, uh, our texts. Hmm? And it's unfortunate because we find a lot of the devotees are, are confused about that, and again, they think that it's one extent or another. Bhakti is dependent upon upon Varnashram. And then they pick and choose. 
from Varnashram. Hmm? They say, women can't be gurus. But I can, even though they're not born in a Varnashram family. <laughs> so, you know, so that's not good. <laughs> that's just one example. Does that help? Yeah, something to think about. What's the time? 7.35. Okay. I think that's good for the night. Save your questions for tomorrow. Sri Sri Daja Gopal Ki Jai. Gauri Vaishnav Guru Parampara Ki Jai. Nisi Bhakti Vedanta Swami Prabhupada Ki Jai. Bhakti Rakshakshita Dev Goswami Maharaj Ki Jai. Bhakti Siddhanta Sastri Thakur Prabhupada Ki Jai. Shri Bhakti Vinod Paribar Ki Jai. Gaur Bhakti Vrinda Ki Jai. Gaur Premanande.